this, I would be remiss as the children's pastor and family pastor of this church to not put in a little plug here and say that we absolutely need people to get involved. We need you to um, invest in the lives of our children on Wednesday nights and on Sundays. And I want to take a moment and invite Gina Taroli up. She's going to give you a little glimpse into what it's like to work with me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> she's going to let you know that um, what I ask for from my volunteers downstairs is for an entire month commitment. I ask volunteers to give me a solid month so that you can really invest in the lives of kids and they can get to know you and you get, get to know them. And I feel like it's most valuable that way. So she's going to speak to that a little bit. <laughs> Here you go. When she first asked me, um, I'm like, Julie, you know, I, I stutter. When I, I'm not a really good public speaker. I stutter. I forgot about I cry. But. So I wrote my words down, and I'm going to stand up here so I don't, um, so you don't see me tremble, actually. Um, ten years ago when we started coming to Grace, um, I brought my girls downstairs to Missionette. And... Um, I was floored by the words that the Mission Act leader had given me. She thanked me for bringing my girls that Wednesday night. And um, here I'm thinking, this woman is volunteering her time to love on my children. And she was there every Wednesday night. And that was the first example that I got to see somebody serving with joy, like pure joy. So it shouldn't surprise anyone here to know that that woman's daughter is now serving as our youth pastor here. She has a passion and a love for God and a willingness to serve and share his love with our children. And she serves with joy. I'm, I'm amazed every time I met with her this month. Um, she was never flustered. She was very organized. I, I'm amazed because she's got her little baby with her every, every minute, but it has truly been an honor and a privilege to serve alongside you, Julie, the past week, um, loving on our children who desire to know God and learn more about him. Um, I served as a craft leader, and each day um, spent time with each group making crafts um, that they had to surrender for our carnival on Saturday. And if you can picture Nora, she was the, I think it was the cat or a lion, okay, those big brown eyes looking up at you. Here's my boo-boo bunny. Um, I'm like, sorry. No. They, they were great. They surrendered. They had, not all of them. I, surprisingly, the older kids gave me the harder time. But the little ones, they, anyway. Um, in a world that fills our minds with materialism and entitlement, it was great to see these kids hand over their masterpieces to give a great gift. Um, so thank you, Julie, for the opportunity to serve. And I thank God for equipping our team with his abundant love and his grace, and I want to thank all you moms, dads, aunts, uncles, friends, for bringing your children here so that we can love on them and allowing me to experience that serving with joy. Um, it, was, it was amazing. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Gina. Um, I want you to know that the leaders this week really did feel blessed. I had someone tell me today that they were um, more blessed by the kids than they probably blessed them. And, and that's absolutely true. When we serve and we, when we work together for Christ, it bonds us, um, not only with the children but with each other. 
And so this week, bonds were formed between the leaders that were there. We had a couple of people that have never served in our church serve this week with our children. And I believe that they've walked away with new friendships and um, new strength in times of trouble that they can run to. They can call on a brother or a sister in Christ. Um, And that's what I want to talk to you today about. I want to talk to you about sharing life together as a church community and how vital that is to our own personal faith growth. Because if we're not connected, if we're not um, sharing life together with each other, we can be at a loss. Now, God has given us the Holy Spirit. Amen? The greatest power lives in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That is mind-blowing. It is exciting. But I think that God also knows we're human, right? And, and we've got to see it sometimes. I need a sister I can call here on this earth and say, I need prayer. We've got to get together and pray. Um, and so that's why he gave us a church, I believe. He gave us each other to connect with and to grow with. I did grow up in this church. Um, from the time I was born until now, uh, I have run these halls and gotten scolded by Mr. Samuel. I have, <laughs> I have fallen asleep on pews. Um, I, I spent countless days and hours here while my mom was working on Missionette's uh, programming with Mrs. Severance. Um, I mean, the, the stories don't end. My dad would do a New Believers class. And at the end, he'd have a potluck dinner. And that was like the ultimate, right? That was my favorite. Because you know what we got to do after we ate? We got to watch A Thief in the Night. <laughs> and I will tell you for the record, it was a super awesome end times movie in the 80s, okay? <laughs> full of truth, full of terror. <laughs> but I loved it as a child. I absolutely lived for those moments. <laughs> and I believe that's because my parents instilled in me this... Um, value of sharing life with people. I mean, we literally lived here at church all the time. Our, our best friends were church families. And we went camping with the stalls every year. Every year it rained. I mean, it just, it was great memories. And, and they were formed here in this building and then went out from here. And I, I'm so thankful for that, that my parents knew the value of what Paul said in First Thessalonians when he said, we not only shared the good news of the gospel with you, but we shared our lives Because that's where we draw strength from each other, from being united in Christ's love. I learned here how to love God and love others. And my prayer, again, as the children's pastor of this church, is that we would do the same. That my kids, the Ben and Abby, would have that same family around them that I have. I know I have like dozens of surrogate parents here that I can just call up and say, hey, I need you. And they would probably drop what they're doing for me. And I appreciate that with all that I am. And I want that for my children and for your children as well. I want us to be knit together as a community that works, that plays, that laughs, that cries together. Because that's where we will grow our faith. Some of you don't know, but for the past two years, we have had quite, quite a struggle of faith in my family. Um, my husband got injured two years ago, and he's been out of work and in a lot of severe pain. And it has just kind of wrecked what we can do as a family. It is just not the same anymore. You know, He can't do a lot of certain things, so we can't do things together as a family. And it's discouraging, and it's hard. And um, there have been times when I've absolutely sat there and said, God, why? <laughs> What's happening here? It has been two years. What is going on? I, I, I can't take it anymore. But then I looked to the scripture, and God kind of slaps me upside the head and says, Really, Julie? 
you're human, and I know best. And here's what I have to say. In James 1, starting at verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Great joy. Fascinating. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with a divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave is on the sea and is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Skipping down to verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God never is tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts shifting shadows. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. In the midst of hard times, if you're like me, you have the mindset of, as soon as it gets tough, get out, right? If it's uncomfortable, if it's hard, back away. But Christ says just the opposite. He says, hang out there. Stay in that trouble. Stay in that struggle that you're in because it gives me an opportunity to grow you, to strengthen you, to give you hope and endurance. I want to tell you a little bit about gardening, which I noticed there's some awesome vegetables out there, so make sure you get some on the way out. I saw them when I came in. So whoever brought them is, is certainly not like me. So last summer, my in-laws were going away, and they said, hey, Joel, Julie, can you watch our garden while we're gone? Absolutely, no problem. I can do that, right? What do you do? You water it, take some weeds out, bring the vegetables inside. No big deal. Well, I got there, and I realized that I actually have no clue what I'm doing. You know, uh, is, did I water it too much? Is there such a thing as too much water? What is a weed? What is the actual vegetable? I mean, I li- I'm not kidding. I literally had no clue what the vegetable leaves looked like in comparison to the weed leaves. Like, it's that bad. So I am sure in my weeding, I probably lost some of their crop there. But uh, I also realized that I didn't know when is the proper time to pick the vegetable. So is it fully developed yet or is it past its prime? Because one day I was super excited. I brought in this like gigantic zucchini. I was like, yeah, Joel, look at this. This is super. It's huge. You're going to be so proud of me. He looks at it and goes, "Mm, actually, you let it grow too long. And I was like, what are you talking about? I let it grow too long. It's huge. It looks great. And he told me that sometimes if you let it grow too long, it, it loses its goodness. It loses its flavor and the quality of the vegetable. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so clearly, I know nothing about gardening. If you ever go on vacation, do not ask me to take care of your garden. I, it'll probably be gone when you get back. But what I learned from my gardening experience in relation to this scripture is that in the midst of the garden of our lives and the um, trouble and the struggles that we face, you do not just want anyone in there rummaging around and figuring things out, pulling things out, telling you you've got to get out of that situation, right? 
We want the one true God who holds us in his hands, the creator who knows exactly what we need, how long to let that situation go on, when to remove it, how much water we need, maybe how much support we need from other people. He's the one that knows, not us. So we have to fight that human temptation to run and get out as fast as possible and trust. Trust in the one true God that he knows the proper timing of situations and that he has a perfect plan for them. There is a point to our struggles, but a promise for our future. So when you're in the midst of struggles, I find three things that usually happen to me if I allow them to. I can be defeated by the circumstance itself. I could be defeated by my own desires or defeated by my thoughts. When it comes to my desires, I'll tell you that I like things nice and neat, right? Backed up nicely, timetables, I'm all about it. Now, I've never considered myself a worrier. I just think that I I like things a certain way. When I met Joel, a lot of truth is coming out today. He really clued me into what I'm really like. He told me I absolutely am a worrier. And I worry and have anxiety all the time. Now, I've argued with him and told him, no, 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 no. It is just planning. This is just, this is just troubleshooting for the what ifs. And he's let me know with no uncertainty that that is not true. And that I am not clinging to one of his favorite verses in Matthew 6. It says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's trouble have enough for today. He's right about that. And that's where my own desire, which is not evil, right? It is not bad or evil that I would want things a certain way. But that desire can grow in me and give birth to the sinful actions, which gives birth to death. If I am so caught up in not trusting the Lord, then I'm blocking what Christ has for me. I'm not open to hear from him in the midst of a struggle because I want it fixed right now. I want Joel's back fixed right now. That is my desire, right? But God says, trust me. Stop trying to fix it yourself. I know what's best. My timing is perfect. And I have to rely on that. It's not easy, but I've got to do it. In the same way, our thought life can be pretty poisonous. I don't know about you, but I am definitely one to have terrible self-talk. Even this whole week, oh man, are there enough kids here? Are we doing it the right way? Are the lights positioned the right way, right? There's all that worry coming into play. And if we allow ourselves to focus on those things, we are not yielding to the Lord. We're not yielding to His Spirit that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we are able. And that is what we've got to do, is give it to the Lord so that He can be glorified. Now the hope that we have in Christ is the blessing that we will receive at the end. Verse 12 says that those who patiently endure will receive the crown of life that God has promised for those who love him. Praise God that we do not have to worry. We don't. We have hope. We have been redeemed by the power of Jesus Christ. He has paid the price for our sins, and we do not have to live defeated. I'm so thankful for that. One way that I know that I have grown spiritually in these two years and have not allowed my my struggle to defeat me is by you. There are so many of you that have been encouraging to me and my family 
have come alongside us, have prayed with us, have cried with me because I'm the crier, and have just loved us and said, God is good. He's sovereign. And no matter what struggle you're going through right now, He does have a plan. He has a purpose. And I believe that because the Word of God says it, but I also believe it because you have told me that. Those that I trust the most are my church family. And you guys have told me that, to trust in the Lord, to be patient in your troubles. Our goal should be to constantly deepen relationships. As I said, I grew up in this church, so I know a lot of you, and I have been blessed by you in Sunday school and children's church and remnant and all those places that I have grown. And I'm so thankful for those deep relationships, and I feel like we have got to keep doing that. As new people come to our church, I met two new people today, I pray that they will get deeply rooted in relationship here so that they will have those same benefits that I have in trusting God and in trusting the strength of their church family in times of trouble. I believe that the very nature of God demonstrates for us how we must live. Tim Keller says in his book, Gospel Christianity, that the triune God is a community. So if God is a community, does it not stand to reason that that is an extremely important concept to him and that we should follow it? Even Jesus' example of bringing 12 men alongside him to live life together, experience everything together. They experienced spiritual growth, yes, but they also experienced the physical, the mental, and the emotional. When you live with a bunch of people for about three years, stuff's going to happen, right? We are only human. And so they experienced all of that together, the good, the bad, the ugly. And God says, that's good. I believe that we should embrace our church community as the people that we spend the most time with. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't spend time with people outside of the church. You absolutely should. We are called to do that as well. But as many parents of teenagers know, you're probably telling your kids the same thing we're telling ours, that who you spend your time with is who you will be like, right? Who you eat, who you play, who you counsel, who you converse with, that's who you become like. Our main social community is what forms who we are at our deepest levels. And so that's why I believe the church as a community needs to be where we're forming bonds at the deepest levels. One way to do that is to serve together. I mentioned that earlier, that this week while we were serving together, we got to know each other. I don't know what was going on, but one day the ladies had a thing going on. They were all Gwen. Not sure what that was, (laughs) but they had fun with it. They were experiencing life together and jokes and And memories were being formed, right? And so now they have those bonds and they have those memories. Hey, remember that time at, you know, kids camp when we did this and that? Yeah, I do. And it was fun. Those times, I feel, are precious for us to grow as a church, but also precious in God's eyes. Because like I just said, God values community. If we know anything about God is that he is relational, And he cares about people getting to know people. And I want to bring up to you the core values of our church. And they're right there, posted on the wall for us all to see behind you. And they are engage, commit, connect, and influence. So we as a church body need to be committed to engaging and committing to each other. 
getting to know each other, and then staying committed, not just here on a Sunday morning, not just on a Wednesday night, but throughout the week, living life together. Because if we don't do that, if we are not strong and have the bonds like a family does, when troubled times come, it's just going to melt away. It's easy to not work hard at a relationship that isn't strong, right? I'll tell you right now, one of my best friends in this church, we had a love-hate relationship. We grew up together. We were always together. And so there were times they were just like, get away from me. But because we grew up together and we worked through those issues, we are still friends to this day. 29 years later, we love each other. And it's because we stuck it out, because we committed to engaging with each other. We valued relationship. And because of that, we have actually served in many missions trips together and many um, school outreaches here for home missions as well. We were able to connect and influence our community. So this is what I'm, I'm getting at today. That we have got to engage with each other, commit to following through with that, so that then we can connect with the world and influence them. Because the world should be able to look at our church community and say, man, I want to live like that. Do you see all the support that those people have? I mean, they are, they're set. When something happens in their life, they're going through a struggle, they have a super support system. And I want to live like that. Tim Keller puts it this way. We are to be distinct from the world for the world. So that when the world sees us living in a way that is different from them, they're able to see what it could look like under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We are to show the world what life should look like, being rooted in Christ and rooted in a relationship with each other. We have many opportunities here at this church to serve. And I'm not trying to say if you are not serving in one of our ministries that you're wrong. But what I am going to tell you is that when you do serve, there's strength that comes. Your faith blossoms because you have that camaraderie. You have that bond of the love of Christ that grows you. One opportunity that's coming up in a couple of months is Trunk or Treat. It is a fabulous um, outreach that we do for our community. And when we come together as a church community, we commit to reaching our world. Families come in and they see a safe, awesome place to be. They see that their kids are loved, that nothing's pushed on them, and that they matter. And from there, we have had families stay in our church from that one outreach. We have kids downstairs that I minister to on a weekly basis because of Trunk or Treat. So please take every opportunity to commit to your church family to reach the world. That is what we are here for, church, are we not? That is our goal. The Great Commission says, get out there. So don't hear me wrong today when I'm saying we've got to connect with each other. I'm not saying stay here. I'm saying connect, get strong, and then get out there. Reach the world with Christ's love. And you know what? It's fun to do it with each other. That's just a little added bonus. When we're hanging out as a church family and reaching the world, even with trunk or treat, it's fun. And God is glorified. In closing today, I want us to take some time to respond to the call to rejoice in our sufferings, 
and to live a life that is connected to each other. So as the worship team comes forward and they begin to play softly, I want us to take some time to respond to what God may be saying to you today. Whether it's a struggle that you're going through and you just feel alone, you feel um, distracted even from spiritual things because of the pain that is in your life. Or if you're here and you feel like, you know, I really don't know anyone still. I've been coming and attending church, but I am not part of this body of Christ yet. That's what I want to happen today. I want us to connect with each other. The the disciples, well, they are disciples of Christ. The um, ushers are going to be passing out half sheets of paper. There's a list of scriptures on there that would exhort us of how to live as believers. They would show us how to be a community of believers. On the bottom, there's a spot for a name and a phone number. And what I'm going to ask you to do is in a moment, get into small groups. Don't let them get too big because then you won't feel comfortable. I want you to get into small groups of people and share with each other. Be intimate with each other. Share a struggle you're going through and ask for prayer. This is how we grow. Now, I realize it puts you in a very vulnerable spot. And sometimes that's not comfortable. But that's what we've got to do to engage each other, to commit to each other. And the challenge is that you would call the person in your group that you decide to connect with this week. They would not just let it stop here, right? We wouldn't just pray for something here and leave it. But that we would follow up throughout the week and say, hey, I've still been praying for you. Where are you at? What has God been saying to you? How has he spoken don't feel comfortable getting into a small group, I'm going to have our prayer team come up front. And if you'd rather just pray one-on-one with someone up here, you are more than welcome to do that. So right now, as you get your paper, go ahead and get into some small groups with people around you. Or if you need to move across the church, that's fine too. Our prayer team is coming now. And you can certainly come here and receive prayer.